Welcome to episode 159 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Lisa Sai. She's a designer at Facebook. Surprise! Another Facebooker. Hey! Uh, there's a lot of us. And Lisa is an awesome human. Before that, she was at ThoughtBot. We had an awesome conversation talking about her background, her journey into design, and we're excited to share it with you. She's working on privacy systems, which is a huge problem, and I'm excited to see where it goes. So... In case you haven't heard, we recently added a new design podcast to the Spec Network. It's called Layout. So we're up to nine podcasts. Nine podcasts. So if you need more listening for your eardrums, go to spec.fm, check out Layout. You should subscribe, leave them a review, listen to their episodes. Uh, We're so glad to have them. Uh, Again, just check them out on spec.fm. We also have a new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash spec.fm. And that's where we host all of our inspect uh, public critique live streams so every friday i go find a like well-known designer and you can post your work up in figma and we actually critique it live which is super fun a big deal but we have 120 subscribers so you should subscribe too 120 is like (laughs) 100 is the bare minimum to get a name for the channel and we did it thanks to everyone that subscribed yeah check out our youtube channel because we're about to launch a new video show so you should go subscribe asap Okay, let's do it. Let's get into this episode 159 with Lisa Sai. Hi, I'm Lisa. I'm a product designer at Facebook. I'm also an artist and I'm an Aries. Whoa, that might be the first symbol, sign, horoscopes. What's it called? Astrology. Astrology, is that the same thing? Your astrology sign? I don't know the difference. Horoscopes (laughs) are bullshit assigned to astrology symbols? Ah, got it. Okay. What are you working on? What am I working on? Um, So right now at Facebook, I work on a team trying to improve um, how people can report bad content on the platform. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. How long have you been working on that? Uh, I've been working on that for uh, about a year and seven months, which is the same amount of time that I've also been at Facebook. Haven't Um, switched teams yet. Haven't switched teams. I love my team. That's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And like there are a lot of complex problems. So, uh, No, it sounds pretty straightforward. (laughs) Yeah, it's just bad content. You're just reporting. It's done. Just Uh, delete it straight away. No oversight. Uh, the the tricky thing is that um, bad content can be interpreted in however many ways by, you know, over a billion, almost two billion people on the world. Yeah. Uh, what? People don't see everything the same way? <laughs> Not really. You, you'd think they would, you know, because people say that Facebook's newsfeed is an echo chamber now, but not really. Um, and so... Yeah, our team has to kind of figure out how to work on that, which sure. is really tricky. And it's 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 fun and challenging for me. Um, and so that's why I feel like I'm really enjoying what I'm working on right now. Have you become more empathetic? Yes, I have. Nope, um, less. <laughs> nope, I think everyone else is wrong. It's <laughs> a leading question, Brian. <laughs> so the really awesome thing about working at Facebook, which is so international, is that you get the opportunity to go on these research trips uh, around the world, which is like mind blowing also just to be able to see different things. And so this year earlier, I went to Brazil, Mm -hmm. um, Sao Paulo, and I recently also went to um, Warsaw, Poland and Dublin, Ireland for research. And it's always just really nice to, you know, see what different cultures are like and how people are using things differently. It's really humbling, especially because if you're, you know, here in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, where you walk down the street and, you know, people know what you know, <laughs> yeah. it's it's not surprising. Um, like people it, are all the same as San Franciscans, right? <laughs> oh, man. They're all designers. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, everyone carries around an iPhone six, obviously. Everyone They all drink LaCroix and Soylent. Uh-huh. Everyone inhales and exhales. Uh-huh. Well, Soylent bars now, Bryn. I don't know if you what saw What are you talking about? They just came out with Soylent bars in addition to the coffee Soylent. <laughs> They're creating an empire. Have you had have you tried one? I have tried the normal Soylent, not the uh bars or the coffee thing. The coffeeist? Isn't that what it's called? Coffeeist, yeah. That's stupid. What do you think about Soylent, Lisa? I've tried it one time. Um, my really good friend, Carol Ann, 
um, I started to drink soy soylent. So how do you say it? Soy soylent. Yeah, soylent. it's a stupid name. Soylent. Soylent. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's what it tastes like. It's soylent. It y- tastes fine. Y- you can put things into it, like honey. You know. Um, Doesn't it then become worse? I don't know. Like worse for you. No, I, but I gotta admit, they, my old coworkers would put chocolate syrup in it. I'm like, that defeats the whole purpose. Yeah, it does. Bruh. But they send out these. I had to unsubscribe. They send out these dumb emails that are. I, I get what they're doing, but it's like here's put strawberries in it. Here's fun Soylent recipes, and one of them was like a Soylent. Uh, hey, you uh, know how this is the martini. whole thing in one? It's like a martini Soylent. Is is that add stuff with, to it instead? Fuck, it's oh, inconvenient God. now. It's, <laughs> With martini soy. It was, it was something it's with like, alcohol. Wow. And it looked so disgusting, so I unsubscribed. Oh. That was my Soylent Boy voice. Soylent Boy. <laughs> so you didn't answer. Do you oh. like it? I, I liked it when I had it a sip, but my friend, she put something into it, so it wasn't normal Soylent. <laughs> I'm having trouble pronouncing this word. We can just call it Lent. Soylent. Soylent. <laughs> um, I don't know what she put into it. Hmm. Not chia seeds, something. Hmm. Something, but it was it was pretty good. She was going to the gym a lot, so for her, it was kind of her version of the protein shake, and it has all of the nutrients. Um, I don't know if she still it has every nutrient, ones. all of them, <laughs> the, supposedly the whole one, all the good ones at least. <laughs> uh, let's back up and, and circle back around. Mm-hmm. Where are you from? I grew up in Alhambra, California, uh, which is. Um, 10 miles east of downtown LA. Okay. Um, I grew up there for 18 years, went to college in the East Coast in Connecticut. Slow down. Oh. You just skimmed through so much of your life. 18 years. Most of your life. Over half of your life. (laughs) We just skimmed through one sentence. Uh, How did you know my age? (laughs) You talked about it in your interview with You're like 30, you're 35, right? (laughs) Barely half. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do know your age, JK. only because I, I read don't. an interview with you. Mm. Uh, what was it like growing up in California? Um, it was good. In high school, I wore flip flops. That oh, sounds before I, pretty before chill. I even, Yo, before I did I even, that in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> before I even answer that, I think it. I have to specify the distinction between growing up in SoCal versus NorCal. Okay. In SoCal, I wore flip flops in high school three fourths of the year. You cannot get away with doing that in San Francisco. Dude, no. <laughs> I did that in Minnesota. <laughs> did you? <laughs> no. Bryn's just a tough guy. <laughs> um, that would be impressive if you could, but your toes would, I'm sure, freeze. Bryn doesn't have toes. Warm-blooded, yo. He's pretty <laughs> sensitive about that. <laughs> no toes. I can't believe you brought it up, oh. actually. Oh, that should. was a pretty strong starting point. I should get off the air. <laughs> You've offended the toeless man. <laughs> what? How did we get on this? So California. Um, yes, California. SoCal, sorry. I ate a lot of In-N-Out growing up. Mm-hmm. These are like the details you have mm. to know about. Um, <laughs> oh, In-N-Out's so bad. It's so good. I can't believe oh. how bad it is. I was so disappointed. Okay, what did you get? The double-double... Animal style? Is that what it is? You weren't no. impressed? No, it's so bad. Lisa, I tried to do the thing that people talk about and it was not good. You're great, but I have to side with Bryn on this. Did you get the French fries with vanilla mil- milkshake and yes. dip the fries into the milkshake? Yes. Yeah. I did the things that people say you should do and it was not worth it. That's what a lot of people say who who didn't who grow up taste? with it. Who <laughs> didn't grow up with it. I think a it's divisive a divisive burger place, honestly. <laughs> People but it's that so, grew up with it love it. It's so cheap though. It's like a dollar eighty five. That doesn't make it's it so better. Cheap. It doesn't make it better. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, have you been to McDonald's? I have been to McDonald's. <laughs> I I growing up I loved Big Macs. Uh when did you start mm. getting into was it art first? Design first? Art first. Either. Art first for sure. Um so when I was seven when I was young, like seven years old, I started to go to Chinese school, which is basically uh an after school daycare. For Chinese Chinese kids, and <laughs> that sounds weird, <laughs> but that's what it is. <laughs> and um, and so I did that. And um, there was one teacher who was really good at drawing. His name is David Lee. Um, 
I, I bet don't, we'll find him. I, so <laughs> Do not put this on me to find <laughs> David Lee on the internet. He so um, we would have recess, recess, and um, during recess, he would just draw Pokemon's, mm-hmm. and all the kids would like, you know, hover over his, over over his shoulders and watch him draw Pokemon's like Bulbasaur. Pikachu, uh-huh. Squirtle, like any Pokemon. The good ones, yeah. All, All the, the starters, ones. cool. <laughs> if you asked him to draw any Pokemon, he could do it from, from Kabutops. memory. Kabutops. That, you, you, you need a reference first because he's he, that's like, you know, he's not used to drawing that, but after drawing it a few times, he could do it from memory. He was that Scyther. Good. Yeah, Exactly. All of those. All 151. Can you name all 151? You do the entire poker rap right now. Pikachu. <laughs> Bulbasaur. Can we just Close like enough. stop? <laughs> can we just Close stop and name all of them and then get back to the episode? He's like, take five minutes. Do you actually know the whole poker rap? No, God, no. Do you? No. I don't know. They're not even <laughs> in the order in the poker rap, yeah, dude. No. no, we don't need to do the poker rap. Okay. So you had this teacher. Tangela. <laughs> <laughs> Tangela. 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 That's, that's how it's pronounced? I have no idea. I don't know, but that's it looks like Angela. That's the spaghetti one. Where yeah. Spaghetti. Yeah, the, the, the spaghetti green, head. The green spaghetti monster with floating eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, you know, under-recognized Pokemon right there. Not well, many that, people. That's because you had to get all the way back to Pallet Town to get it. Seriously, but nobody talks about him. No. It. It. Is it a gendered Pokemon? They're all gendered. Oh, that's Is true. Is Ditto? Nidoran. Yeah. Nidoran. Ditto's gendered? Be sure. Nidoran, Nidoran, well, whatever. that's the obvious one because the symbol's yeah. in the name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nidoran male, Nidoran female, Nidorino, Nidorina. All right, so Pokemons. we're drawing Pokemon at Chinese daycare. Yeah. yeah, David was drawing Pokemons, and I was like, what's going on? How is he doing this? This is magic. Like, he would just take a piece of paper. He's a Smeargle. <laughs> what? That's the drawing Pokemon from Gen 2. If anyone got that reference before Bryn explained it, I'm going to be so impressed. <laughs> he had a paintbrush for a tail. Oh, that's cool. Nope. <laughs> I would want a, I want a paintbrush as a tail. Jeez. If I was a Pokemon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. He was magical, right? Because he could draw well, Pokemon. Well, Smeargle wasn't. He was pretty weak on stats. <laughs> but David. David was good. Next level. Yes. Um, I saw him draw... I thought, that's awesome. I want to try that. So I remember going back to my uh, my classroom, not my Chinese school, but my normal elementary school, and just started drawing pictures, like of like really badly drawn pictures of Pokemons because I wanted to be cool, you know, because David was cool. Like uh-huh. all the kids thought David was cool. Second grade, I just remember drawing Pokemons, drawing all the time at home, at school, and throughout elementary school, I was just I would just draw a lot, and um, I was friends with a lot of the boys in my classroom. I was a tomboy, and so I mostly hung out with them. And at this time, a lot of young boys were getting to skateboarding. You know, um, they were into like World Industries, the skateboard oh brand. You know that there's that water drop uh-huh. and the flame, and uh-huh. so I would draw those, yeah, and then sell them to my classmates nice. for like a nickel. I was an entrepreneur. Uh-huh. Yes. Young entrepreneur. <laughs> um, I just kept doing that for a very long time, and I kept up with art throughout high school. And when I went to college, I thought that I was going to major in art. I ended up not for a few um, reasons with uh, other circumstances, but because I wasn't pursuing art as a major in college, I needed to find another outlet, and that's when I pirated photoshop <gasps> i cannot <laughs> believe you oh shit the cops are here I know. it's the adobe police <laughs> but i think my story is pretty common like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. photoshop is so expensive good excuse <laughs> everyone else is doing it <laughs> exactly yeah therefore it's okay um i think that is like the biggest gateway drug was like pirating in photoshop. photoshop yeah raise your hand if you pirated photoshop don't tell them don't don't Nobody Don't, knows who you're the audience, They have to guess. If you're, li- yeah, if you're listening, raise your hand. If you pirate <laughs> just it. randomly, wherever you are, you're commuting. Just suddenly raise your hand. Cool. But keep one hand on the wheel. I swear. Come on. <laughs> Walking to work. Suddenly raise your hand. <laughs> it's a movement. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so you pirated Photoshop. Mm, yes. And I started to learn graphic design through the internet. Uh-huh. I looked up graphic design tutorials. More specifically, Photoshop tutorials. I think it's important to be specific there because I think there's a difference between looking up Photoshop tutorials and looking up graphic design tutorials. And so I was on Smashing Magazine. Yeah. Uh, what was it? PSD Tuts. Yeah. Pl- with the plus uh-huh. there. All these other, all these different websites. Um, trying to figure out how to use Photoshop to do what it wants. Abduzito. Yes, I remember that. I have. I still have all of these websites bookmarked in my Google Chrome somewhere, mm-hmm. and I don't look at those links anymore. <laughs> Good bookmarks. Good bookmarks. Is that how you both also got into uh-huh. design? It was a big part. I looked up a lot of tutorials about how to put flames on the cars. <laughs> that was a big uh, thing. Do you guys remember there was... Making planets out of lens flares and difference clouds? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That one. Lens flares, difference clouds. Uh, I just found that file and I put it on few, Twitter. A few layers of noise and then you adjust the levels. Hell yeah. Um, there was More one, noise. More noise. All the noise. There was one tutorial where you would take a picture of mud and warp it into a sphere and then you could add this like light effect so it looked like an exploding planet. Whoa. It was really cool. Yeah, PSD Tuts, Smashing Magazine, all the same yeah. things. Yeah, props. Anyways, so yeah. yeah We're on the same page. Same but page. Mm-hmm. How, how long ago was this? Because I feel like you though, and I right? were learning this thing at the same time. Oh uh, Yeah, I think so. Um, this, let's see, this, is, this was, I think, 2010. 2010, 2011, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same story. Wait, what? 2010? I think so, yeah. So six years ago? Whoa, yeah. Isn't that weird? I know, that's really weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it was so different six years ago even. like. But Smashing Magazine's still around. The Tuts um, Network is still around. Yeah. Smash- but like, I was- Still kicking. I was definitely working in design by then. Yeah. Like three years into design. Like that's crazy that they were still around then. Oh yeah. I didn't, I didn't think about that because I- stopped using them why did you choose specifically photoshop tutorials and not graphic design tutorials what's the difference i don't understand why there's a key difference difference. like well so what was happening was i would open up photoshop it wasn't my first time using photoshop and i i had an idea in my head of what i wanted to accomplish using photoshop i would type it into google things Mm like um make round corners on box photoshop <laughs> sure. something like that and then it would always open up a photorealist specific- pokemon <laughs> or that oh that's that would be impressive mm-hmm. so you're googling I, yeah googling that that was basically the story right like you google a specific thing you want to accomplish with photoshop and what google search outputs is oh how to round corners in photoshop it, it doesn't google teach, did pretty good yeah I, I guess it doesn't teach you like graphic design fundamentals which is i think the distinction between that and and photoshop tutorials sure. yeah at that time did you have a goal were you like i want to mm. be a graphic designer i want to be in that space or were you still thinking art i think that i wanted to were you thinking oh yes i want to be in that space <laughs> i would like to be in the art space someday well that's not art <laughs> bro I am a college student and I am very <laughs> wise beyond my years. Um, I I wasn't totally sure what I wanted to be exactly. I think I wanted to be creative and to have a stable job. And um, it's a good want. I think so. Yeah, it's like a yeah. It's it's wonderful if you can get that right. Um, and I I feel like really grateful that I have that in my life today. But basically what happened was when I was kind of in college, but also partially in high school, I kind of felt like I really needed a stable job because my parents and our family, we came to the country without without like a lot. Knowing how hard they worked, I always felt that I needed to return the favor to them when I got older and actually, you know, became a working adult. And so while I did want to pursue art, I also knew uh the harsh reality of making it um commercially as an artist um so that's that was that was one of the reasons why i decided to not pursue art seriously in college because i thought that i had to give it up i actually ended up applying for this business internship program which is like really silly looking back because it was not me at all and um 
it was this internship program that was geared towards minority students. And so one of the things that they do with you is they do a mock interview with you to help you prepare for the actual interview. And so uh, I was in Connecticut at this time. I was in school. And I remember driving to the mock interview to Hartford. And it was January. It was very cold. There was still snow on the ground. I had to, you know, shovel the snow out of off of my friend's car car in order to drive to Hartford by myself. And I was like in business. I, was, I had business wear on, attire Ooh. on, which is so weird looking back. Um, I walk into this building, into this room, meet this woman, and she begins to do the mock interview with me. And she begins to ask me these questions that one would ask in a business job interview. And do you all- like to business? What, what's <laughs> business? <laughs> what does business mean to you? <laughs> it, it, the questions were things like, oh, so why do you like human resource? What? Uh, like, because that was the position. Because that- I am human resource. <laughs> because I am human and resource. <laughs> exactly. I'm resourceful human. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, it was like not great. I answered every question um, with some like reference to my passion in art and in creative stuff. And so kind of, I think three minutes into the mock interview, she stopped me and was like, hey, uh, I, can't, I, I, I don't think this is right for you. And then um, and then she went off the record, which I don't think I should. <laughs> she went off the record and told me that, you know, it's it's OK if I feel like the pressure from family sometimes to pursue a, a certain route. But um I, it's important for me to like follow my heart and you know do the thing that I want to do because in the long run that's what's going to make life worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, she 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 went off the record to tell me this and so I felt kind of weird <laughs> repeating this now. But I don't I don't know where she is. So you also didn't say who it was at all. It's anonymous. Yeah. You're probably good. Point. Yeah. You didn't say what the internship was. Yeah, I didn't. That's true. Yeah. Double. And she doesn't work there anymore, so it's fine. Triple and then Yeah. I tried to look her up on the internet. I found her. You're giving away more and more details. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, just stop there. Just stop okay, there. okay. So wait, this this is really interesting. Like, what uh, what was it like being in this room and being at this interview that maybe you didn't want to be at? And this this person says, "Stop." I felt really confused. I felt that what she said was right. I didn't feel that it was right for me to be in this room, and she knew it also. And I remember when she stopped. I just started crying because I didn't know how to react, you know. But then she helped me a while after it. And, you know, she gave me a, bo- a box of tissues and everything. And she began to tell me about different, um, like, creative agencies out there, like, more so in the marketing space, like corporate marketing, mm-hmm. which looking back at it now wouldn't be my thing either. But at least it's, like... A first step, warmer, right, yeah, 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 right. The direction, and she was saying things like, you know, you know, you if you're interested in, you know, contributing your creative skills in a certain way, um, there are opportunities out there, and you know, don't give up. And so that was a turning point for me because that was because I think that I forced myself onto a certain path and I always knew it wasn't right for me. Like I had taken an economics class in college and I mean, I think I failed. I, I, I dropped it because I was not doing well in the class. I didn't like the class at all. And I always felt that even in my economics class in high school, I had so much trouble with like cur- conversion of currencies. Uh-huh. Like that, that still confuses me. Like, oh, like... What what does it mean if it's one U.S. dollar equals one point five whatever thing? I don't I don't actually understand like what that means, um, <laughs> like those details. But I can't say it. <laughs> yeah. So so that was a turning point. And then when I remember, I remember that, that after that interview, I went back to school. I thought, okay, um, I guess someone believes in me, so I'm gonna try to. Pirate Photoshop and do this thing. So that was that was the background. Behind <laughs> yeah, that's that what story. you tell the Adobe police. Someone <laughs> believed in me. I had to do it. Please don't make me pay. That's still so much money. Like I can't believe how much like Creative Suite cost then. It was like six hundred dollars. Six hundred. I'm pretty sure it was like sixteen hundred. Oh, 
well, like the, the full, master the full suite? creative master oh, holy yeah. shit right. yeah like photo master suite was yeah. still several hundred that's why you gotta photo sh- you gotta pirate it so i don't know if you actually said what did you end up majoring in Oh, I majored in American studies with a concentration in race and ethnic studies. Um, I was like, I was really indecisive about what I wanted to study. So American studies was the most interdisciplinary study that I could do. Sure. So that's what I pursued. Why race and ethnic studies? Um, I think that race and ethnic studies is one of the foundation for why all these different societies uh, operate the way that they do and um for me in my past experience of growing up in a mostly asian american latino community to going to a high school that was like asian and white and then going to college that was like more of a mix for me was just a really interesting um experience uh because i got to see a lot of different dynamics play out and um i wanted to kind of look at that a little bit more from an academic perspective. Mm-hmm. Also, I ended up becoming friends with a lot of people who majored in the same thing or in sociology. So it was fun to yeah. be in the same classes with them. <laughs> Did that work or study, has that informed the work that you're doing now? I would say so. Um, I think Facebook is all about human connection and human relationships. It's all sociology. Right. And um, Wait, you said... So it's all sociology, not also theology, right? It's also, <laughs> it's also, it's, 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 this is where I have to enunciate. Uh-huh. It's all sociology. Yes, it's not all theology. <laughs> cool. <laughs> also theology. Mm, yeah. What? <laughs> also, comma, theology. Well, yeah. that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the, the area that I work in at Facebook is all about helping people report uh, malicious behavior or content that they see online, as well as harassment and hate speech. And um, across different cultures and languages, uh, harassment and hate speech can mean different things. And I think it's really important to bring a set of perspectives to approach trying to solve for these sort of problems, especially at the scale that we have to think about. Is it? Do you have an example you could share? I'd be really curious how that actually plays out. Like in America, our our like definition of race is very different from perhaps like China, because in America you have a lot of different races represented, like you mm-hmm. know, black, Latino, Asian, uh, American Indian, white, um, and that's a different like vocabulary for thinking about the way people interact with each other than in China, for example, which is like more like everyone is Chinese. So a lot of like the racism that plays out there are more of like discrimination based off of like what region you're, you're from. So like Chinese versus Hmong? Uh, I, I don't know specifically like the, the type of uh, ethnicities there, but uh, sure. Some, yeah. Like but the vocabulary is different. The like- vocabulary is different. And then same with like Brazil, like race is a little bit different there as well. Um, and so not everything that I learned at, in my liberal arts education uh-huh. directly like influences. Sure, sure, no, exactly. of course not. But but I think it it when I when I come into work and I'm thinking about a problem, I I I kind of at least ground myself in the past of like something that I've, I read before. Yeah. Um, and that's always nice. That's very helpful. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, towards the end of college, did you know what you wanted to do? Yes. Um. So when I was a junior, I started, got more into actually doing web design um, because when I was on Smashing Magazine trying to learn how to make round corners on boxes. Um, Which used to be hard. Like yeah. it used to be work. You'd have to manually change all the points instead of yes, just drag it. The yeah. anchor points. Yeah. yeah. It was terrible. Yo, I mean, you could just bully in that shit. It's not that hard. Okay, Bryn. What? <laughs> um, yeah. So... On Smashing Magazine or on PSD Tuts, there were always related articles on the side. And I saw some related articles for like doing web design. So I thought, oh, it'd be really cool to be able to bring my my graphic design onto the web. And I had tried GeoCities before, so I thought I could do this. And so... (laughs) Ah, yes, GeoCities. Uh (laughs) Yeah, I had the index.html file, Mm -hmm. so I kind of remembered how that works. And... um. 
that's that was essentially how I got into web design. And I began making websites for um, college groups, college organizations, like student groups. And I got into that, and that was very fun. I I started to make websites on WordPress, WordPress themes. So I learned PHP. <laughs> It's not easy. Not to really. Do. <laughs> yeah. I was being sarcastic. Like, yeah, I know PHP. Hey, WordPress themes is like the gateway to more serious programming. I think for a lot of people, it's the gateway to other PHP things. <laughs> to other PHP things. Yes. <laughs> Facebook code. Logic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, WordPress themes. Yeah, and then uh, around this time, when I thought about what I would do that summer, I would apply for different internships in design, and I got rejected left and right. Um, because I didn't have enough experience, which is understandable because I was doing this uh, like on nights and weekends when I was when I should have been doing my homework instead, <laughs> my readings for my American studies classes. But I was still having fun with it. And what gave me a lot of hope was seeing the amount of internships that were available in this industry, which pointed to the fact that there would be a lot of jobs in this industry. So I had a lot of promise um, in this field, even though I had a kind of a hard time, like, you know, nailing a, an internship down. So I, I just knew I had to keep working at it. And uh, in my senior year, there was an alum from my college, and he had this startup he wanted to create called texts.com, which is a textbook exchange between students. And so... He wanted me to work with him because, you know, I was a I was a current student. I didn't have much else to do. Like, I mean, I wasn't working on a thesis or anything because I wasn't. Uh -huh. I was I was studying yeah. American studies, but I wasn't that into it. I was really into design. Uh -huh. And so when he asked if I wanted to work with him, I thought it would be a great opportunity. It might be my first opportunity at doing actual product design. Um, so I did that for three to four months. I learned a lot. That was my first product design experience. And that was what opened the door for me to get an apprenticeship at ThoughtBot, uh, which is also uh, where I became a full-time product designer. Um, and I worked there for about a year and a half. And then afterwards, I started at Facebook. So, yeah, that's the... Let's back up a little career. bit. Yeah. Why, why is it an apprenticeship at ThoughtBot, not an internship? Oh, it's an apprenticeship because uh, I they a few principles. I think one of the things is that they try to give you the same responsibilities that you'd have as a full time employee, um, and what that means is that you're, you get to sit in on meetings with clients and you get to work really closely with a specific mentor every day for all three months of your internship. So when you also start the apprenticeship, you go through a week where you get to identify areas in which you'd like to improve and work on, and they kind of uh, gear the apprenticeship towards you so that you get an individual um, experience to grow in the way that you want to grow in. Cool. Um, yeah, I thought it was really amazing. Like, Yeah, how did it work out? What was it like? It was awesome. So... Like I said, I, I had like one-on-one, -on -one men I uh -huh. had a mentor like the entire time and we also became friends and so that was really nice. Um, and it was really amazing for me to also sit in on meetings with clients and to work with them directly. And even though I was an apprentice, they still trusted me with responsibilities as well. I think, I wonder if there is a bias against the word intern. Like I think the word apprentice sounds more like ideal because it, you sound more like a craftsman versus uh Coffee yeah, person? Yeah, coffee person, right, yeah. Yes. yeah. It sounds like you're there to learn and to work instead of being there as some kind of like extra component. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. ThoughtBot's amazing because it's a culture that's built around like learning. And bots. And yeah, Ralph, <laughs> uh -huh. Ralph, Ralph the robot was, is the, is the, um, the company. Logo? Uh, yeah, logo, mascot. That's Ralph, the word. Ralph, Ralph bot. What would you say to other people? People that might be in your shoes from a few years ago where they are using Photoshop, they have, they like want this experience or learning graphic design, and then they're sending out all these resumes to get mm -hmm. an internship or first job. And it, the response is, you don't have enough experience. So for you, you managed you to. You don't get have this, enough experience to come and get experience. Right. Yeah. You managed to get this, this gig at text.com. 
Yes. But if you if you had to put yourself back in your shoes, like what would you have done differently if that didn't happen? How would you have gotten the experience? Like what's a path? Wow. It's really hard for me to look back and think of a different path because I don't know. Did the one. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Because I I think that without that job, my path would be very different today. Probably not that different. I probably would still be working as a designer, but I'm maybe in a different place than I am today. Um I would say that this is so cheesy, but I think that if you can't find the opportunity, try really hard to create the opportunity when, where and how you can. Mm-hmm. It could, if there's an opportunity in your current job to do something really to, related to design, like try to, try to recommend that to, you know, the people you're working with, even if they don't think you're useful, just try to do something on the side and sure. then share the value of what you're doing and see what happens. It's hard for me to give this advice sometimes because when I look back on my path, I feel like I got very lucky. Like one of the things I think I want to note is that at my school, there weren't a lot of people doing the type of design that I was doing. There were, there were people that were doing some graphic design, but I was doing a lot of web design and there weren't a lot of students that were doing that. So when the alum person saw me doing that, he, uh, he thought, you know, I would be a good fit for it because there was nobody else. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's that not- helps to be the only person doing a thing that needs to be done. Yeah. Well, it's preparedness at the right time right mm-hmm. like obviously you were doing something other people weren't that that doesn't make you lucky necessarily so much as like actually doing this other thing and putting in the extra work yeah yeah Pre- preparation it's really easy to see it as lucky i know yeah i know yeah i i yeah i, I sometimes i sit i have these moments where i look back and I'm, i think oh I, I got so lucky but then i think back to all the articles that are saved in my bookmark section right now and all those hours just spent uh, in front of TextMate, in front of WordPress, all these things that I don't look at anymore. It's not lucky if you had to learn <laughs> PHP to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Nights and weekends. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and I, I guess, um, I don't know, persistence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the things that people say. Um, I think I know people don't have access to this all the time, but I also think it's really helpful to find a community of people that can support you. Yeah. Um, so for me, I had my friends that supported me. They didn't know what the hell I was doing when I would, you know, sit in behind my laptop, like doing WordPress. They were all like reading their books and they saw me working on websites. They had no idea what I was doing, but they thought it was kind of cool. Um, so they said, okay. Boy, were they wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else happened? Oh, um, I also had this Twitter account and followed a lot of people that were working in the design industry. And that was a really awesome way for me to keep up uh, with the trends of what was going on, especially as someone that was living in Connecticut. Uh, I got to learn a lot about what was happening in Silicon Valley and in San Francisco. And that was fantastic. There was actually someone in my Twitter feed that had tweeted at me, and he was uh, a product designer working professionally here. And he said, "Hey, you're 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 doing really well. Like, keep it up." And that that gave me so much encouragement. When I had finally moved to San Francisco, I reached out to him and said, "Hey, I'm here. Do you want to get coffee?" So we got coffee, and then we became friends. I kind of saw him as a mentor for me. And then around this time, he began to work for Facebook. And then later on, I began to interview for Facebook. And then afterwards, I joined Facebook. And now we work together. We sit next to each other. JT, hello. JT Trollman. JT Trollman. Hi. Hi, Um, JT. Yeah, that's crazy to me, like thinking about those nuggets of, you know, those moments. Uh, The like things that have come out of just random tweets are unbelievable when you get to talking to people here. Dan Eden, I met on Twitter. I uh, tweeted at him. I was like, hey, you seem cool. You boy, were you wrong? (laughs) 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 Um, We, we. Uh, I tweeted, at, I emailed him actually. I tw- what did I do first? I think <laughs> I... Tweet mailed him. <laughs> tweet mailed I woofed. What did I do? That's, that's the DM, the tweet mail. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yes, why not? Because um, he was on the show before, but yeah, yeah we, we became friends. Yeah. So th- that's really funny. 
So before we jump too far ahead, you were at Thoughtbot for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So what happened at the end of the apprenticeship? At the end of the apprenticeship, I got hired. <gasps> oh, yes, my first full-time job out of college. That was exciting, actually. Feels good. Yeah, so I remember that. Um, I remember calling my parents to tell them that I got the job offer, and they were really excited. They told me they felt like they won the lottery. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really cool. That's this cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really great. It was a really great experience. It was my, it was, I think that as someone that was entering their professional world after college, right after college, it was a really great place for me to uh, understand uh, the nuances of being a professional more. Um, because we got to work with a lot of different clients. And um, because it's an agency, we would work on different projects every two months. And so it was really valuable for me to go through various cycles of the product development cycle and to meet with different people, different business people, um, learn different skills. And when I would learn one thing at the end of one project, I could relay those yeah. learnings into the next one. What kind of what kind of things were you building? Um, so I helped work on this B two B website uh, that's that's related to the Net Promoter Score. So you're building websites? Yeah, building websites. Um, Ruby on Rails websites. Yeah. At Thoughtbot, we I don't know how it's structured currently today, but uh, when I was there, we didn't have any PMs or salespeople, so. It, it was product designers and developers working together to um, define the priorities and to work really closely on shipping uh, work every week. And so the designers at ThoughtBot are empowered to code a lot. I got really good at HTML and CSS, and I even developed opinions about Haml and, <gasps> and BEM syntax and all of that, which Whoa. I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, I think it's opinions that really like make you a front-end engineer, right? <laughs> but I have opinions. <laughs> Can we write a front-end library called Opinions? Opinions. <laughs> Basically. That looks opinions. like a lot of like really like clever shit, but just is nothing. It outputs nothing. <laughs> I thought of something cool also like onions.css and it has layers <gasps> on layers of like, you know, uh-huh. variables or uh-huh. whatever. That or whatever. Cool. Or whatever, yeah. It's like the opposite of base CSS. <laughs> yes. Lots of convoluted layers. Yeah. Everything inherits. <laughs> so there's a class that is all CSS rules. <laughs> and each nested one has to undo the parent's oh specificity gosh. or like declarations, yeah. So elegant. I love... So elegant. <laughs> we we write elegant code here at Design Details. Uh, so why why were you encouraged to code as a designer? Like coming out of an apprenticeship, moving into product design. Like that, why? That's the way that the company was structured. Did you um, like that? I I liked it because we were able to move really quickly. Designers didn't have to go through cycles of like. Uh, iteration on sketch in order in order to then translate their designs to someone else to code it up they could do it themselves and also work really closely with engineers to push these you know changes directly into github and all of that and see the changes in the browser then that's obviously not design then you're a unicorn yeah generalist there, I think there are pros and cons to being like a you designer. Can't, you can't design in code. <laughs> then you're a developer and you should stay out of the design tool. I don't know if you have... I'm sick of those conversations. I want to I hear what you what you think about this. But I, when I was at ThoughtBot, I both coded and designed. And now at Facebook, I don't code at all. I, I just work on design for the most part. And I find that when I'm coding, I'm definitely like exercising a certain part of my brain that does sometimes make it hard for me to focus 100% on like design. Design meaning solving the problem or? Solving the problem and also hmm. going through like like different visual design explorations and interaction design explorations because they I feel that they take a lot of time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I find that when I'm making things in code, I just me personally, I tend to lose sight of the big picture and I have to spend a lot of mental cycles like going in and out of like, here are the bits I'm moving between A and B, and then mm-hmm. I have to step back and be like, okay, what's the point? And then I go back in. And Wait, are that. you thinking in terms of like 
legit like backend programming and functionality or are you thinking in terms of interface prototyping functionality backend everything ah so i find that's been the hardest part for me and i i wonder if it's a waste of time and like needless use of energy to have to jump between like where data is being stored and persisted if, when i should probably just be spending that is thinking about definitely that the <laughs> experience right like well like I mean, a lot of that has to do with the experience in a, in a very uh, real way. Uh, uh, sort of. Good answer. Sort of. Uh, like the spe- uh, speed and reliability and data integrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all important. But like, how do I reliably maintain that, the state of my app? Like that actually doesn't matter because the user just sees what they see. Have you thought about starting from the front end? We don't need to get into this can be coding therapy for me. But anyways, to answer your question, I, like, I, I face the same thing at Facebook because I at mm-hmm. my previous job, I did all the like CSS and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. then I you go to Facebook and it's like, nope, mm-hmm. you don't do any of that. Mm-hmm. And part of it's relief because you can trust that there's people better at it that are, that are specialized in that. Yeah. And then part of me misses like seeing the, how the meat's made like, you, to back. you do know that you make websites like every single week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's Facebook specifically. So I, I sort do of you really want to see how the Facebook sausage is made? That scratched, sounds dangerous. Well, I scratched my itch and I downloaded or the I got access base. to the code base. Yes. It's fascinating. It's yes. fascinating. And I realized like how little I know. And that feels scary. Are you are you using Atom also? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's so slow. <laughs> It does some cool things. I'm not going to lie. It uses the main thread for everything. It's cool. I don't know. What are you using? Sublime Text. Oh, okay. Cool. At ThoughtBot, we used Vim. I used MacVim. Gosh. So technical. What do you think, Bren? Of what? Designing and code? Designing, coding. um, Oh, my God. Focus. I, I only yeah, have so one opinion on this, focusing. and that is that I think that designers who know how to code are consistently better designers across the board, in my opinion. Hmm. Like problem solvers, not not illustrators, not whatever. Like illustrators are a very specialized thing, but product designers, whatever, that know how to code consistently make better decisions, in my opinion. Strong opinion. I like it. I don't necessarily think you have to do all the code. I just think knowing how to or understanding the basics Makes a big difference. Like, I I can't code an iOS app, but I understand a lot of the APIs. And that makes it really easy for me to make decisions that fit into the platform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's cool that ThoughtBot encourages you to to be a part of that. I wonder, yeah. I don't know how long, like, that lasts before you need, you need someone to, like, mm-hmm. not do that and not get caught up in the details and think of, like, from the product and user perspective, what's the best thing? And that just takes up all your time, right? Mm-hmm, you just don't mm-hmm. have more time. Yeah. Um, what's that transition been like for you, like com- coming to Facebook and not getting to do that anymore? Um, so I go. I think when I first joined Facebook, I was, I it felt like a relief to not have to code anymore. Um, I wanted to try a different sort of opportunity where I can grow in a in a different way as a product designer um and i have a lot of moments where i think oh i'm so happy i'm not coding anymore but then sometimes i have this little itch where i i'm watching an engineer do something uh, on their computer screen stop doing or stop doing your own let me just let me do it (laughs) i I would walk behind them and i would see their color the color scheme of yes you know what I'm talking yes. about, their color scheme. And I'm just I just like so amazed by that. I, I'm like, which color scheme are you using? I wish I had a color Wait, scheme. Are you talking about like the code highlighting? Yeah, yeah code highlighting color scheme. <laughs> so pretty. Yeah. I I remember when I was using, um, when I used to use MacFim, I downloaded um, a bundle from, yeah, a bundle that had like, I think 500 or like 100, 100 different color schemes. But I only chose Woof. one. Yeah. And I spent the first three weeks of my <laughs> full-time job picking the right so, colors. So <laughs> base gray for Sublime Text and material for Sublime Text are just stunningly gorgeous. Material updates way too often. That's really irritating. But yeah, it's really good. It's real good. Like every time I open Sublime Text, there's an update. And then it like breaks the theme for a minute and then it comes back. And that's just really <laughs> irritating. I have to check that out later on your computer. Material's good looking. So you've been at Facebook for now almost two years. Almost two years. Almost How's it going? Second face anniversary. It's going pretty rad. Um, I really like the team that I'm working on. The problems that 
I work on are extremely complex,、um, but I like challenges. How do you? How does your team work on problems that are that complex and impact every user? Yeah, so I think that because these problems are really complex, it's important for all of us to kind of bring our strengths to the table to empower one another. So I that's why it's important to collaborate with one another. And I get this question a lot, especially when I'm talking to、um, designers that are curious about Facebook. They ask me, "Oh, like, do you work with other disciplines?" It's like, yes, of course. Like, there's no way we can do this without working with different people.、Um, so I get to work with researchers, data scientists,、um, content strategists, other designers,、uh, engineers, PMs, and、uh, for my team, I, I also work with policy and legal and operations because I deal with the reporting experience. And it's just so fascinating to be able able to work with so many different types of people. Fascinating and challenging, right? Fascinating and challenging, yeah. How do you deal with working with that many different kinds of teams outside of design? My, one of my coworkers, he said it best the other week. He said that when there is a group consensus, it's easy, but you get a lot of you get to approach problems more richly when there is di- like dialogue. And debate, and so even though it is sometimes challenging to work with a lot of different people whose views may not agree with yours, I think it's I think it's a good thing that that is a problem because I think if you、uh, worked in kind of a I guess monoculture where everyone agrees with each other, you couldn't be able to see the flaws and gaps in the things that you're making and building. Sure, that, and,、huh? that sounds like it would have. That kind of monoculture sounds like a lack of diversity, right? Like,、mm-hmm. if there's no conflicting opinions, then you might not be in the right configuration. Right, exactly. And I think that that has huge implications for so many products, and especially for something like Facebook, which a lot of people use that website.、Mm. So it's、yeah. just crazy.、Um, but yeah, so I think diversity of strengths,、uh, perspectives, like. Uh, functions, also backgrounds, is important. Sure, in a workplace. Sure. What's coming up for you? What's next? What's coming up for me? So,、um, in a few weeks,、um, I'll be exhibiting at the San Francisco Zine Fest、um, under a pseudonym, <gasps> plurals and noun. That's not a very good pseudonym if you already gave it away. <laughs> oh, spoilers.、Well- Wait,、okay. wait, 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 wait! Hang on, back up,、yes. back up, back up. What's a zine? Oh, a zine. It sound. It. I think it originates from the word magazine,、uh-huh. which I, I think most people are familiar with. <laughs> I hope most I hope people、so. are familiar with. I'm not going to go into、that. explaining what that is. Should make a zine named <laughs> Mega Zine. Mega Zine. That's pretty cool. Magazine.、Mm-hmm. Magazine. Okay, so okay. it's not a magazine. No,、um, a zine is a DIY publication that people can make,、um, and it comes from more like underground cultures. And people may, you know, may print them from copy printers. They're, they're not like they don't have to be like extremely professional. But I, what's really interesting about zine culture is the way in which they're distributed.、Um, some people sell their zines、uh, for money, but a lot of people also trade their zines for other other objects.、Yeah. Um, my, when I went to the Zine Fest、um, in the East Bay last year, I noticed that a lot of zine makers would trade their zines with with one another, and that really、uh, intrigued me. The culture of、um, what currency means in the zine world.、Um, Is different from you know how currency acts in capitalism, and、um, I like that. Yeah. So okay, two questions. Why are you using a pseudonym? I feel awkward having a half of a table that has my name. Please aside. Uh huh. And um, I I also have a pseudonym because my eventual plan is to work with my friends on different projects,、uh, and I don't、cool. want all、yeah. the projects to be. About me, <laughs> Lisa Sai Productions. Yeah, exactly. LSP. Yeah, but、Lisp. um, yeah. So I mean, the same thing with design details. Well,、yeah. now it's design details. <laughs> <laughs> well, we originally wanted to call it Brian's details, but then Bryn had to talk me out of it because he felt it was unfair. Design、uh, details. <laughs> <laughs> design details. Okay. Second question: What? <laughs> what's your zine? 
Oh, I have a few zines. A few. So yeah, because um, I get half of a table, so that's a lot of yeah. space, and of you know, I can put a lot of things on this table. So I have some prints. I do um, landscape illustrations as well as uh, some comics, as well as some some like abstract prints. I really like Keith Haring, so he inspires me. Um, so I'm gonna be showing a lot of things. Sweet. Um, September fourth. Uh, I think in the Golden Gate Park. Okay. Um, yeah, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Where can people follow you or like check out your stuff? Um, Facebook.com slash plurals and noun. Sweet. I have 26 followers. <gasps> Don't laugh. <laughs> we all started at 26 followers. So when did you start designing zines? Or designing? Uh, I design. <laughs> nice. I uh, let's see. Designer. <laughs> yes, I'm a designer and a designer. Um, <laughs> wow, that sounds Twitter weird. Twitter bio. <laughs> I like that. Designer by day, designer by night. <laughs> I started uh, doing zine, assembling zines, in like a few months ago. Actually, uh, I would say it was probably February or something, um, and I. I I say assembling zines because prior to that, I've always been drawing. So now I'm just, you know, taking my drawings and compiling them into a book form. So, so that's been, that's been what it has been. Awesome. It's been interesting. Yeah. yeah. How has the zine scene been? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that integrated into it. So the zine fest would be my very first one. So, ah. yeah. So that's why I'm kind of nervous, but excited at the same time. All right, we're over time. It's been over an hour. Wow, um, it passes by. Uh, we like to ask at the very end, what keeps you up at night? Um, I want to I wanna come up with something clever to say, but I, I don't think I can, so. Be real, be, be honest, yeah, what yeah. comes to mind? What was the last worry you had? What was the last worry I have? Like work, you know, it's, it's like the normal things, like, oh, like I have... Oh, how am I going to do this thing? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, tomorrow I have a a nine a.m. meeting. So my when I right before I go to sleep, it's like, oh, what time do I have to wake up so that I can get to work before my <laughs> oh, nine a.m. meeting? <laughs> so that's the the realistic answer. <laughs> what's the non real? What's the more philosophical Lisa answer? What's keeps you up? Keeps me up. I think about how to balance all of the things that I care about in my life a lot um so sometimes before going to sleep i write in my journal and i just talk about what's going on in my life and i find that i i have this tendency to every so often perhaps every few months just write down a, all the chunks of things i care about in my life so that's sort of what keeps me up at. and like making sure you're spending the right time on each thing yeah, like yeah, prioritizing I, things because you can't do everything at once, mm -hmm, yeah. right? But making sure you spend the right time in the right places. And like, yeah. uh, some people would call that, I don't know, work-life balance. I don't know that that's the right term for it. Yeah, and, and it's hard. And so I, I think I find myself oftentimes coming up with little strategies of how to accomplish it amidst what can seem like a crazy schedule. Like, for example, I, I, I spend three hours commuting every day, but I've been asking myself, like, what could I do, like, on these, on these three hours to optimize my time here? Hmm, maybe I can read a book because I prefer to read a book when I'm sitting down versus when I, when I have to, when I'm like in my commute versus when I, when it's a Saturday afternoon and I'm right. free. That's a better time to spend with people I care about. Right. Right. Like optimizing all of those things. Sure. Awesome. Cool. Where can people follow you if they want to find you online? Um, I have a Twitter, twitter.com slash Lisa Sai. Also, I think that my 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 zine project could use a little bit of uh, loving. So facebook.com slash plurals and noun. We'll put a link in the show notes. Thanks so much for coming and hanging out, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Lisa, for coming over from Oakland and hanging out with us. We appreciate everyone that travels over here to our studio. It means a lot to us. So thank you, Lisa. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, give us your thoughts on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Hit us up. Uh, of course, if you want more design podcasts, go to spec.fm. Check out our newest teammate and addition, 
Layout, which is a new podcast about design and programming and technology. They are awesome, and we're so happy to have them on the network. We've been adding a lot of stuff lately. We've got a new iOS show called Runtime. We've got a new show about the back end of freelancing called Orthogonal. Uh, we're adding video shows. We're adding a ton of stuff, improving blogs, all sorts of stuff. It's really exciting. You can find all of that at spec.fm. And of course, if you want to just hang out and chat with us, join our Slack team. Over 5,000 some people are in there hanging out, talking about tools and design and these podcasts. Uh, to join that, go to spec.fm slash Slack. It's free, of course, and we look forward to seeing you in there. We'll see you next week with Dr. Charles Pearson.